1: It's the Britflix.com Podcast I'm Stuart Wright and this is the Britflix.com Podcast On this podcast, rather than critique or score films out of 5 or 10 or tell you what we love or what we hate I sit down with the filmmaker and get them to give us an insight into the process of making their movie, what they discovered, what they learned, all those kind of things. Or I get to sit down with a horror film fan and get them to tell me five great British horror films that they think we should all take interest in. Either way, this podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe in iTunes. And if you've got that bit more time, write me a review too. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and today's guest is Deborah Haywood. Hello Deborah.
2: Hello Stuart.
1: I love doing that when we've just had a preamble <laughs> chat <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also like to admit it on the podcast that we've had a preamble <laughs> chat as well. Not that, we're, not that we're suddenly best mates but we have had 20 minutes of saying hello um, but then to set in a podcast it's sort of always funny. Right so we're here to talk about your debut feature, right? We are, yes. Which is Pincushion. Pincushion. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what Pincushion is? Uh,
2: well, it's about a kind of oddball mother and daughter who move to a new town. And it's the um, what the effect of that move has on um, both them as individuals and, and on their relationship.
1: And this is a horror film, yeah?
2: Um, well, people have said it's horror. I didn't know that it was horror when I was writing it. But oh, um, I suppose... I suppose it has got horror elements. Um, yeah.
1: That's interesting. Well, let, let's 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 go with that then for a minute. So let's start with as you you, you wrote and directed this film. So you're I did. In, you're in a good position to talk about the creating and producing of. So let's mm. start. Let's start with the screenplay first. Yeah. Um, as 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 you just said, it wasn't a horror film when you wrote it. So where where did the where was the idea? coming from for you that inspires you to write pincushion
2: um well I came up with a title first and um didn't know I just thought oh that's a good title and uh, and then because you know around our way I don't know whether it, like where you're from people say you know like a girl gets a reputation for taking more pricks than a pincushion no, um,
1: I've heard that but it does make sense
2: yeah so it's <laughs> kind of like so I was like oh yeah about the school slug and um and so it came from that really. And then as I started thinking about my own life, um, cause I was kind of, um, I, I was bullied at school. I think it was because I was quite popular. And I mean, I was only like 10 or uh, no, I was like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I was bullied. So it, it all, um, was inspired from that really. And then as, as, this was in two thousand and eight, and then as it cr- progressed, as it went on, it became about other things, and and then I kind of turned it into a fairy tale because I wanted it to be more more about storytelling rather than like social realism.
1: So, and what how did that affect your story storytelling then in terms of what you if you take the idea of what is what is a you know someone is either picked on for being popular or picked on because they're promiscuous in terms of how people perceive someone. What was what was it you were doing with that idea that make, that, that that gave it the I guess the um, the artistic freedom to become a fairy tale?
2: Do you know Agatha Kristoff? That she's a Hungarian writer. She's dead know. now, but well, she wrote this book called The Notebook, and it's in it. It's just very um, it's very brutal. The writing is and very straightforward and direct, and mm-hmm. um, and she kind of names her characters like there's one called Hairlip and stuff like that. Oh, so wow. I was. Thinking I was so I think I was inspired by that. So in my head it was like oh yeah, school slag, school bully, hunchback mom. You know, those kind mm. of labels which kind of gave it a fairy tale feeling. And also I found that within within that kind of concept I could be more brutal and go to more dark places because I think if it's dressed up as a fairy tale then you you it, it frees you up somehow um so I tried. So I did that within the storytelling. In fact, um, I worked with Kate Lees, who's a script editor. And at one point she got me to write the whole treatment as a fairy tale, which um, which really helped free, free me as well, because, it, you know, I don't know why it just did. Um, and so I did that in the in the in the script. And then that translated visually um, with the aesthetics in the in the film. When we came to make that
1: tell me what did what, what did Kate Lees do as far as working with you to develop the screenplay and at what stage did she sort of get involved with you and developing the screenplay uh,
2: well I'd been booted off um, I features okay and, and then uh, I went on to develop it with the BFI well it was it was um, creative England were for BFI network um, mm. So I was, we were working me and Gavin, my producer Gavin Humphreys, yeah. uh, we were working with Celine haddad, and but I think it was Lizzie Frankie who assigned us uh, Kate Lees as, as the script editor. So we worked with both uh, Celine and Kate developing it. So I'd worked with Kate for a while,
1: yeah,
2: and then we'd, and then we'd kind of show our results to um, Celine.:
1: okay. And what, in what sense, in what, what, what way does, does somebody like that? Invo- Cause it's like, they're not, they're not a co-writer, are they? But they, no. they're, they're like, are they, would you say it's like a cheerleader that's encouraging you to sort of think more or think harder about what it is you're trying to say? Is that?
2: Yeah, I think so. um, just encouraging you to go deeper and think more and, um, ask questions, you know, like when things don't make sense, they're like, why does this character do that? Or, mm. you know, what does this mean? And, stuff like that, which because you're writing it, you know, you think it's all there, but you don't realize that often it's not on the page and, um, and yeah, I don't know. It just really helped. But I think actually the most helpful thing that I did when I was developing the script was, um, I was really stuck. Like Celine kept saying, Oh, you know, like the setup, the setup isn't there. The characters, we don't know who these characters are.
0: Mm. Um,
2: so she got me to, um, Write the film like in real long, in kind of not in long hand, but in long form. So, in prose, saying,
1: like in prose, as opposed to no, not in
2: prose, but it's sh- as in like write the scenes that are not in the film. So, yeah, so it ended up like 139 pages or something. Um, and most of it was like really dull, but after I done so, I did that and then I waited, I, I left it for like I don't know a month or so until I was like over it. Mm. And then, and then one day, I just went and sat in a cafe and got my pen and like slashed the hell out of it. And then, um, when I delivered it again, it was kind of, it was there. And I think it's because I'd gone through all that um, depth and and character work that um, it kind of filled in the blanks.
1: That's really, that's really interesting, is it? Is yeah, it? it's sort of like what, so. What you're saying is, it's like get it all out there. And and then pair it back. And I'm guessing some of what you put in survived, and maybe some of what was already in there got lost as a result of the the new information you're bringing at it. I suppose.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, some some scenes like I didn't, you know, I discovered as I was writing along because I was Mm. like, "Oh, what does this character do when they're off screen?" I don't know. Mm. Um, So it, it just helped deepen the characters as as well as set the story up properly. Um, I know when we were chatting before, you said, "Oh, the first twenty pages of the easiest of the screenplay." I had the opposite effect—the pincushion. It was always the setup, and the setup's not working. The setup and the setup.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What was the storytelling challenge there for you? Was it in terms of the, the setup being difficult to establish?
2: I think it was the usual things. It's like, who are these characters? Where are they from? What do they want? Where are they going? You know, and who are they inside?
1: So what? So you were, so you were clear. So in that sense, you were clear about who, what was going to happen to them. But when people saw that on the page, they're going, but why has that happened? And why have they done this?
2: Like I said, it was in my head, but it wasn't on the page. But I couldn't see that it wasn't on the page. So that's doing that process of doing it really long um, made me realise what wasn't on the page.
1: Is that something now that you've, you've, you've learned to sort of bring into your writing process now? Is, or was it, was it just pertinent to this, this screenplay?
2: Well, I don't know, because I haven't written another one yet. But um, I think that if I get come up against that problem again, then I will do that as yeah. an exercise, um, just in case it frees something up or tells me something or helps in some way. But I don't know, people say that you get different problems with each script, don't you? So and each time when you start a new thing, it's like starting, you know, it's like you've never written anything before ever. So um, We'll say
1: when you were going through that drafting process, and when you fixed yeah. the story, and you've gone hallelujah, and your yes. producers going, yes, we're there. Yeah. So when, so when, let's then I talk. shit
2: myself again because it's like, oh, now it's going to get made. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so when you're when you're now, then you're being told, right. Okay, here's your pre-production time. Let's get ready. Yeah. Was that all with your cast in place? Because um, obviously you've got the fantastic uh, John Scanlon. In yes. your film, who People who've been watching anything half-decent on TV will know her for being absolutely fantastic.
2: She's amazing. All the casts were amazing, actually.
1: How, how does a first-time filmmaker get to cast somebody as high-profile as her in terms of the UK market?
2: Just beg, basically.
1: Is that Is that the advice?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not. <laughs> um, well, we worked with uh, Carmel Cochran and her team, mm-hmm. and... Um, but before that when i was writing it uh, susan boyle was my inspiration for the mm-hmm. character of the mom Lynn, um right. and i absolutely loved her and um i really wanted her to play the part but um gavin was just like no it's, you know it's not going to happen mm. um and then um and then he said oh uh, i don't know whether i'm supposed to say this but he said oh why don't you look at um joe brand because she's of that age and you know that kind of um she could you know I wanted somebody who hadn't got Botox and who was very real um and, I and had yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, a, had a certain essence yeah so I looked at Jo Brandon she, on YouTube and she was in something called getting on and I said to Gary, Gavin oh I really don't think that she's Lynn but I really like the woman opposite her and he said oh that's Joanna Scanlon and then so I you I, Googled her on YouTube and I saw her she was doing an interview on BAFTA carpet mm. and um, Somebody was whoever was asking her the question. She was like when she was kind of not looking into the camera but like almost looking into the camera because she was listening and just the way that she was listening just was really intriguing and she was like almost like studying the person and and the she's got this kind of like unpredictability in her eyes. And I thought, God, I don't know whether she's going to answer this by, you know, with a smile and an answer okay. or absolutely bollock the interviewer. Uh, it could have gone either way. And then, and then I was just like, I want her. I want her. So, um, yeah. So then somebody, magic person, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Who it was um, fixed up an appointment and we went to Manchester to meet her. Cause she was working on, um, no offense. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I just fell in love with her, and we just sat talking and um, for hours, and I've loved her ever since.
1: I'm guessing she. I'm guessing she's playing that. Lynn is the the mother, isn't it, in the story? Yes,
2: yes, yes, uh, yes.
1: So, so by that definition, and just look at the stills. I'm guessing that Lily Newmark, who Lona is, the, is the is the girl. So I guess the victim of the bullying.
2: Yeah, she is, but her name's Iona, not Lona.
1: Oh, look at that. That's my bad I signed him. <laughs> uh,
2: Should have gone spec savers.
1: I thought it was, like, literal, like Lona being the bully, but there's, you know, that's... Uh, I, you talk to the person that once asked for e-mental cheese, so, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not without my airs and graces going completely out the window. So let's... let's I'll let, get stuff let, wrong. Let's start, let's try, I'll try and start that question again. So Lily <laughs> Newmark playing Iona... Yeah. Is yeah, uh, is yeah. the is the victim of your story, yeah. as it were, or yeah. is, is your, is your hero? So I'm yes. guessing when you're writing this, that's an, that is, I mean, as the mother and the daughter being the central part of your cast. Yeah. I mean, how 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 was the how is it the, the formula for you to get the right person for this this role?
2: I think finances, you know, it, because it's a lot of kids, teenagers. I think mm. you know, like they prefer the older people to have names or to be able to, you know, like somebody that they can raise finance on stuff mm. which um which is kind of freeing really because it means that the teenagers that you can cast who you want really mm. um and i saw about i don't know the the carmel and the girls must have seen 500 girls so i was looking at tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes and i I wanted somebody who looked untouched my modern life and um and then when i saw lily uh, I thought she was off the street, actually. Um, I don't know whether I ever told her that, because there's so many was kind of street casting, and you know, mm. people who sent in self um, self tapes and all the rest of it. And um, and when I saw her, I was like, oh no, she's not Iona, because in my head when I was writing it, Iona had like long black shiny hair. And um, and then when I saw Lily, I was like, oh, her face is interesting, because she looks like a, like a a beautiful salmon, or you know, like a sea creature or something. Mm. And um, and then when I pressed play, I, I like I was like, Oh my god, she is Iona and then when I went to meet her, I was like, Yeah, she's Iona. She's got like she's got this kind of aura this that is untouched by modern life and has got kind of slightly other about her. And also she looks like um she reminds me a bit of um I can't remember her name, Sissy Space is it Space yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, thought, a, there's yeah. a
1: there's a fragility there, isn't there? If you're, if yes. you're looking back on a, on a young sissy space it's so. yes. Even now, even now, as you recall it, there is. I can still hear the sense of relief in your voice, almost telling me how you got the person. Because I oh guess it must God. feel like it huh. must be like the blind leading the blind, where you're trying to find somebody that you've imagined. Yeah. and you're trying to tell them no, like this, and they go, yes. "What about this?" And you go, "No." And obviously, five hundred is a lot of people to be reviewing. Yeah. Um, and it sort of, it sort of, it, it amazes me. Never, sorry, never ceases to amaze me that it's, it's, a, it, it can casting can often be a job of I'll know it when I see it. Which, yeah. Which sounds really meat Markety, like, but I, I don't mean it that way.
2: No, 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 it is really is like that. And I tell you what, my blood pressure just went down when when we found um, Lily and Joanna, Joanna and I was like, yeah, you know, we've got a film now. Whereas hmm. before, you like. You know, like God, what if we don't find them? You know, like what if we've got to make do and it's not really them? And you know, you kind of shoehorning it in, and mm. you know, you've got all these worries because it's just—I think it's really, really. I mean, it's terrifying anyway making a film because um, it's so public. But I think casting is—is is, that's the most scariest bit.
1: Being your first, being your first feature film. Yeah. What? Where? Where did you did you did you go to anyone or anywhere to? for for advice ahead of shooting the movie, or was that something you and your producer could talk about in the run-up to <laughs> shooting the movie?
2: I went to get some antidepressants from the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, I spoke to people, um, people who have been through it. Like, I spoke to Hope, Dixon Leach, and, um, you know, other people that have been through it. Um, who else did I talk to? Quite a few people, actually. I was like, I was flailing around, actually. You know, like, thinking. I used to do this when I was at um, university because I went, oh, when I was older, I'd, I went like, when I was like 23, 24 because I hadn't got any gums or anything. So right. I think I've got that insecurity. So, and I used to like, when I got a question or, to do an assignment or whatever, you know, I used to go flailing around, you know, everyone like saying, ah, help me, help me, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, and then like, just before it happens, you just think, well, I've got to, you know, I've got to do this exam or I've got to do this essay now. And then like, I kind of, that's when you realise that actually it comes from within yourself that you didn't even know that you had it. And it. And I think making a film is a bit like that, it's like, panic 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 oh my god it is actually going to happen and it's real and everyone's watching and then you just have to like hold your nose and jump in and then realize oh actually i you know i can i'm coming up to the top you know the surface of the water the does that make sense
1: yeah it does it makes perfect sense in every way what what, what was your conversations like if, if you were trying to write a fairy tale yeah um what, what how did that translate into a conversation with your dlp
2: uh well we looked at loads of films and lots of pictures and a lot of like tim walker stuff which is very fairy Mm tale-esque and um
1: talked about what's tim walker done that people might know uh
2: he's done like a load of he's a photographer Mm -hmm. and he's he's done a load of pictures um like he's done a book called storytelling which has got a lot of pictures of like women but then next to huge dolls like you know like 50 foot oh, wow. dolls and stuff wow. like that just wow, that very um good. yeah just very uh out there and bold and imaginative and
1: and you know, is, when you're doing that is that like a, just a kind of reference point to start a conversation or are you going can I have that
2: no you talk no I think like we're talking about feelings and oh it should feel like this and mm-hmm. you know um because I wanted it to be kind of like a storybook, you know, when you read a, ki- a, a fairy tale book when you're a kid and yeah. they're all so it's highly saturated colours and um, everything's very recognisable, but it's not set in the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, so I was talking, so, saying all those kind of things and I was saying, oh, you know, like when we shoot it, I don't want to see any cars. So, you know, so it can be timeless and um and those kind of things, and then Nick would come up with things saying, "Oh, well, you know, when we're framing it, because they're outsiders, you know, they could be on the edge of frame." And and I'd be like, "Oh God, yeah." And then when we're in, you know, because um, we, we should say there, then Nick is,
1: Nick is Nick Daly, isn't he? That's yes, your cinem- she is. that's your cinematography. Let's so everyone yes, knows who that brilliant. is. So, so, so that's interesting. So, so you, were, it was all about what we needed to see right, and 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 making sure we are escaping the real world, even though ostensibly it'll look like the real world to, to, to a glance
2: yes so it's the real world but kind of slightly off off yeah kind of so it's recognizable and the emotions are recognizable yeah. and very real like mm. the real world but aesthetically um it's off kilter
1: when you were look when you were, when, when you're sitting down planning the shoe, was there any yeah. aspect of it that that was seen to be more difficult than just any kind of more straightforward um, sort of drama scenes or anything.
2: Not really, because I think if you've got the right cast, then you know that they they've got that quality that they'll bring that to whatever you're going to see. I mean, the things that I was worried about are more more practical things because of
0: because
2: because well because I think when I went when I did Pink Cushion, I think I'd still only got like 21 days' experience of being a director on set. Wow. So I I haven't got that experience of how to know how to do stuff. So things like when there's a boy that's bo- drive, um, cycling and and so i shit shitting myself about that. And uh, so it's more things like that. How to sh- how to shoot some body when they're on a bike and okay. you know things like that.
1: And in that sense, was that learning to then work with the rest of your crew to to as opposed yeah. to you needing to know it all?
2: Yeah. So I think the secret is to work with people who are really clever, and then they make you look better and help the film work. Where, so you don't have to do it all. You know, all you have to do is concentrate on if it looks and feels right, and the actors. And you've got all these clever people around you who'll help with all the practical stuff and things that you don't know.
1: And that, well, that, and that's. I think that's. It, it sort of speaks to the. The, the true sort of collaborative nature of what a film should be, rather than this idea of you being this, uh, you you the director, not you the person, you the director being this sort of autocrat telling everyone what to do.
2: Yeah, do you know what? And also, because like, I'm really not assertive, when I first, because I didn't, I became a director by accident. I wanted to be a writer, and then yeah. I was on a, a, a scheme um run by EM Media, and they were like, oh, you're going to direct it because I'd got through on this development thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know what a director does. And then I was like, but I'm not assertive. I can't tell people what to do. But now I realise that you don't have to tell anyone what to do as a director. Everyone's like on this journey with you and uh, helping, you know, they, they put, put in to it, if you know what I mean, rather than you tell them. No,
1: no, they, I think if – what is it? So it's almost like if you're – if you pick the right people to work with, and they're and they're bought into what you're doing, you shouldn't have to shout at anyone, should you? Really, in a way.
2: No, no. It's like you know, they everyone's got a knitting pattern, which is the script, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they just follow follow the pattern, and um, you know, occasionally come to you and say, "Oh, do you like this color, or do you like that color best, or you know, would." Um, would I own a wear this, or do you want her in this, or you know? And then, then that's for me. And then, you know, I would ask the actor say, oh, you know, do you feel? Is this going to help? You know, make make it feel more truthful for you, or mm. or this one, you know. So it's all about the truth. It's like picking, picking, picking. You know, like delving, 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 asking questions. Which is the truth? Which is the truth? Which is the truth? And you know, you all come up with that truth together.
1: And what was what was your um. Give it. Given, give. It, give it, what was your sort of biggest sort of learning moment for you on on the on the film? What what experience could you? Somebody listening to this now who wasn't who wasn't directed a feature film and maybe is is on that journey right now. What would what would be a, a, a key lesson learned for you, having having gone through it?
2: Oh, I think just to love everyone and trust everyone and let everyone help and join don't think that you've got to do it yourself and if you know if you don't know stuff then that's good because then mm. everyone we can all explore it together and come up with the ideas and the answers together and solution and i think you know that makes it more inclusive and rather than like i thought that the director did it all and you know made the decisions and but actually um you you know you can go to your producer and say oh god you know i was thinking that this scene what well, because it's about this, I was going to do it like that. But now I've thought that I'm going to do it like that. It mm. brings this problem. So do you think if I do it like this, that and the other, or that's going to be okay and, or, you know, and stuff. So everyone's there. So you can have a conversation. You all decide it together and you all, you know, in the end, you you know, it's your decision. You have to make it up, um, make the decisions and stuff.
1: If I was to shorten what you just said down, it would be. Yeah, do. No, no, no. I don't mean that in a rude way. <laughs> I just mean in a sense that. That what you're saying is you can you can almost set your own agenda, and if your agenda is, I'm open to work with you on 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 how this can be a success, then people respond to that because they know that you're receptive to it. As opposed to, if you set an agenda which isn't open to that, and you're maybe favour this person over that person or this actor over that actor, you can you can quickly unravel into being. Then everyone just looks to you, and then 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 you. You kind of screwed, aren't you? In some senses, if you if you've not if you've not allowed everyone to sort of take responsibility for what they're good for,
2: yeah, and also you know it's a bit of a waste, and would be really exhausting for you because then you're trying to do it all. But also you know like you've employed these people because they're brilliant, mm. and 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 I think I don't know. I mean, I've never re- done another job on a film, but I think there's a lot of sitting around. So I think if you're sitting around and the producers like, I mean, the directors like doing it all, and they're you know. Right. Um, then what are you going to do you haven 't got anything to bring to it whereas if you 're like constantly engaged and you're you 're coming up with solutions and creativity and stuff yourself then you, you know you 're engaged and everyone wants to make the best film possible because you know we all love it and we want you know that's our that 's our goal it 's not like a solo thing
1: of course yeah so one, one of the things that maybe where you where your your role comes onto to the most scrutiny on set is going to be getting that take, getting the performance out of your actors. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously when you've agreed with the people how it's going to be lit, how it's going to be mic'd and all that kind of thing, how you're going to dress it, what people are going to wear, you know, those are all clubs. Then ultimately when the camera's rolling, the performance is happening, this is where people are going to look to you and go, have we got it, have we not? So what was your conversations like with your actors to to, uh, get to where you wanted to with what they were going to do in front of the camera?
2: I think we talked about character a lot and um kind of just chatted a lot and I mean all the characters all the actors seem to get it anyway um mm-hmm. and and I think you know just giving those giving freedom to try out stuff and um more like massaging what what was what they were doing sort of thing mm-hmm. I don't know like. I think Joanna, Joanna said that she hadn't worked with a director who was like me before. So I don't think I'm, I do it like other people, but I think that I was just so into it that I'd be, you know, talking to both of them like, oh, well, as though I was there and it was real and, or I'd just go over and whisper something in their ear and, you know, just to change something. And I think, I think also having, having those conversations privately. So rather than, you know, saying, you know, like cut and then saying, oh, you know, can you do that better? You know, I'd go over in front of everyone, you know, I'd just go over and I'd just say, okay, you know, like, well, remember that they've done this to you before. So, you know, are you going to go, you know, I think you might want to go and, you know, show them what for or, oh, look at that cat food. You know, like, I think, you know, you might want to take some of that home, but, you know, but you don't want anyone to watch you. You know what I mean? So that kind of, those kind of things just then bring out something. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to do it. If I knew how to do it, um, I'd be Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think you just like love them, love them, love them, love them. And then when people people are loved and feel loved, then mm. you do your best work and you're relaxed to be able to be creative and feel creative. And also, we didn't have time. Sometimes we had, you know, we did it in one shot and that's all we had like one shot, one take. Yeah. No, no, you know, like no close ups and all the rest of it. We did it in one thing. But I found that, you know, if you go and sit with people in the act, with actors in, um, like when they're having their makeup done and costume and stuff, and you know like you can have those conversations then because you you're always talking or you know or on the way to set when you're in the bus, or you right. know it's you don't have to actually do it in, in the thing i think I think it's all a rehearsal, even when you you know you're talking about something completely different
1: got you got you, so you can you can, you can almost pick your moments and sort of make it feel less pressured when yeah. you when you're doing that. that's interesting
2: it's the hardest job in the world to be an actor, and I mean you've got to like do all this stuff, which is make believe and it's out of sync. It's, you know, it's not in this, you know, it's not all chronological. And there's, you know, a, pe- a load of technicians around you. I mean, I just, like, I'm in total awe of actors. I just absolutely shit myself about to even do one thing like that. So, um, so I think, it, you know, like a lot of getting the performances that trying to respect their space and make them safe and, and then... Good things all happen, I reckon. Mm.
1: Did you have everything you needed when you when you were in the edit, or 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 did you have too much of what you needed? Were you did did things get lost in the edit that, that you kind of thought were important at the shoot, and then they became unimportant once you began to see it in the edit?
2: well we did lose one story thread which didn't feel like surplus in the script i mean the script was 82 84 pages so it wasn't a long script yeah but then when we got in the edit uh, there was a, a storyline that a story thread mm-hmm. um which I, I you know i loved in the in the script and i loved in the rushes and um and then the bfi watched it and they were like do you, i don't you know do you need that story thread and because i adored the actor and you know knew what work had gone to do i was like oh but i love you know Mm.
0: um
2: but you know i think you have to listen to your belly and belly was telling belly knows best and belly belly knew that that's you know that thread had to go um so in the end i actually say yeah i know it's you know it is and then we took it out and 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 it was there so so we had that surplus but we didn't you know some. as I said, you know, often we'd only got one take of something and mm. one setup, so we kind of had to be creative with what we've got sometimes, which is which is great because then it causes you know, makes you think and it makes you be more creative.
1: Indeed. Now, look, you're you're, you're currently in the fest, film festival circuit, and we'll put in the show notes. The, the dates and places for you, the latest one, but I want to take you back to your world premiere back in August at the fairly fairly prestigious, I, I should add, to anyone listening, Venice Film Festival, which is very swanky for your first film. It's
2: so swanky, but let me just say when you said I want to take you back, I thought I was being regressed. Then <laughs> <laughs> think back, just close your eyes.
1: Yeah, August two thousand seventeen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, did you want to go back to a particular date? I can do that if you want on this podcast.
2: I want to go back to my previous life <laughs> when I was a witch in the 1600s.
1: That, that will do that. That's part two of the podcast, isn't it? When we uh...
2: actually, I want to be regressed, and somebody told me that um, they asked me if I got problems with making decisions and i was like oh i don't know and they were like well obviously you have then, if you don't know and then they told me that uh the reason that i i was um i've got problems is because once i was um a captain on a ship and um and I made the wrong decision and and everyone died on the ship. Her name was Dottie Boone. She was great. It was in California. And, uh, and then she said, and then you died. And then she was like, oh, and now you're a witch. I think you're in the Congo or somewhere like that. And uh, you're reading all these books to these girls and you're not supposed to be reading. Oh, and um, but they're all listening to you. Oh, oh, they killed you. <laughs> so it was quite an experience. I really enjoyed it.
1: I can't take you back to when those those young apprentice witches killed you, but I can take you back to Venice, 2017. I mean, how 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 did you film? How did you get? How did you go about? How did you get your film selected for that?
2: No, it was. Um, so I think while you're editing, if you're if you've got a film that's BFI funded, mm-hmm. um, I didn't realise this at the time, but the British Council um, invite. Programmers in and show works in progress. Oh, really? So yeah, so they'd invited um, Some programmers in and among them was Gianna, the programmer for Venice Critics Week mm-hmm. and he'd seen it and then um, Really liked it and then he asked to meet me and Gavin and we went for a coffee with him and mm-hmm. uh, Wendy Mitchell and um, He was very lovely and very um just knows everything about film and uh actually talking about collaboration We should
1: say Wendy Mitchell's from the British Council, isn't she?
2: Yes, she is, and and also Screen International now as well. Yes she is um, yes. yeah she's great and a real champion of um of this film as well. Um but uh yeah so talking about collaboration so Jonna saw the film and then we were still working with Temp Music at the time and mm-hmm. and then he came up with the um some of the temp music that was we were using, he said, "Oh, it sounds a bit like." Um, you should look at. I think her name was Danielle Casca, or I can't remember. Anyway, somebody who was like dead, who's mm. Italian composer. And so I looked at that, and then I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I absolutely love this. This is amazing." So then I gave it to Natalie Holt, our um, fantastic composer. And I was like, "Oh, I love this, you know." So, mm. um, you know, could you? inspired by it and then she came up with some amazing music because um, i found actually music is one of the things that's really difficult to talk about and um nick um nick emerson our editor really helped with music um because i i just talked say i'd say to natalie oh when you know i want some music when you should walk down here that sounds like all the um all the you know all the whales of people who've ever been bullied and also it t- sounds like the shame of people who've been bullied so mm. you know talk about things like that so anyway that's i'm banging on again now about um collaboration and how how being open to it can bring some like really great results um so yeah then we heard a few weeks later that it picked us and then we heard some weeks after that, that it was actually going to open Venice Critics Week, so I was like, oh my god, I was like literally high for about two weeks. I bet you In was. Fact, Yeah, and I was so high when I was at Venice, and it was so overwhelming, and you know, such a like, overwhelming new experience that it's all a blur, I can't actually remember that much.
1: Must have been good though, then, if you can't remember. Yeah. That's yeah, great.
2: no, it was amazing, and Joanna was there, and you know, Lizzie, Frankie, and Gavin, of course, and um, and Lily came, and and it, oh yeah, and then Lily got spotted by you know best of the dressed festival thing, and then got a contract with um, Chanel out of it for oh, the the, the face for the face of their new perfume, and so you know it was just absolutely mind-blowingly wonderful.
1: Well look congratulations on getting that first feature to there and getting it here now. Is there is there do you know can we can, is there any release dates in the near future that you've got or is that still all being talked about and,
2: and... I think it's all being talked about but I think um it's going to be July so um Okay yeah. well, we'll
1: look forward to that date then when we can announce it properly. Yeah. Well, definitely. Look, look thank you very much for giving us the time on the BritFlix podcast.
2: No thank you for having me. Absolutely. Really, enjoyed it.
1: Britflix.com podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe at iTunes and write me a review. Thank you.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.